Next on BYU Sports Nation, spring football over, but the quarterback battle really is just beginning. Did head coach Kalani Satake tip his hand at who the guy is? Is Gonzaga happy with all the West Coast Conference concessions? We'll chat with the voice of the Bulldogs. How could they not be? Plus, the larger-than-life BYU story that needs a documentary and between the lines with the number one power couple in BYU sports. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, April 10th, wherever and however you are connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with public enemy number one for my mother-in-law, Jerem Jordan. Oh, did I rough some feathers yesterday? She happened to see what you said at the top of, of the show yesterday. Of course she did, because she's a fan of the show, man. You're <laughs> on the show. She said, oh, I've got a message for him. All moms-in-law do. Yeah, I'll record it and bring it in. That's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just tweet it at me. Honestly, we laughed. We thought it was fun. Listen, there are three things you never want to get in front of, in the way of. Okay. Trains, bulls, yes. and mothers-in-law. <laughs> like, they need, yeah, I'll be here all week. Um, I will, you won't. Uh, it's paternity leave. Yeah. You, this, is, this is the most well-thought-out scheduled paternity leave I've ever seen. Like, you're going to be in, you're going to be out, and whatnot. You're maximizing this thing, I think, all the way to August, right? Well, that's the Still plan, Jerem. That's the plan. Just off and on, sure, occasionally. Yeah. Hey, third kid, girl, baby. Or through the middle of this month. I, I got, don't know. I got to take notes on this because I'm doing this in July. So uh, I'm stoked about that. Yeah, get ready, man. I'll be like, I'll see you guys in August. Have you settled on a middle name for your uh, well, I child? Well, I want Optimus. Has, is that going yeah. to be official? Whitney, can it be official? <laughs> Whitney, can we? Yeah, yeah. Optimus. Yes, yes I just got the message. Such such an epic middle name. It's Latin for Moral victory. No, actual victory. The it's it's uh, Latin for noblest or the greatest. It also happens to be one of the greatest leaders in the history of fictionalized anything. Transformers more than meets the eye. I love it, man. Indeed, I, miss, I love it. I miss Shia LaBeouf. You sold it with that meaning, though, didn't you? Well, it's the probably noblest. it's probably not going to happen. But if he. Uh, he should be said uh, General Authority. He could be uh, T Elder T Optimus Jordan. Like how I, he's coming up to talk you like I'm in, dude. Elder Holland, Elder Jordan, uh, Sam the Cube. Yeah, I want him, man. Fun fact: the voice, the voice of Optimus Prime is also the voice of Eeyore. I'm not kidding. It's the same guy. I love so. I'm much not that kidding. You know that I love it. Why bother? All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU head football coach Kalani Satake joined BYU Sports Nation yesterday to recap spring football and updated all of us on the number one storyline in spring football, the status of the BYU quarterback position. This is what he told us about the race for the starting BYU QB. After spring football... Um, all 15 practices, I think we are, you know, and I think it's kind of narrowed it down a little bit more. But um, like I said, I just, there's two guys that are going to be joining the, the, the competition, and we'll, we'll see how it goes in spring, in, in the fall camp, and, and how it goes in the summer, and do the player run practices and things like that. But I, I, I we'll have a quarterback ready. Okay, so narrow down, but throw two more into the mix. 
Jerem, is the quarterback battle any clearer now than it was at the beginning of spring football? No. Kalani Stake said two more would be thrown in the mix. They are Tanner Mangum and Jaron Hall, KJ's older brother, off a mission. You can't keep five quality quarterbacks, and I think that these are five quality quarterbacks. Stacey Connor's been getting a look at wide receiver. Perhaps he gets more of a look in the future at quarterback. Right now, he's not one of the would-be starters, okay? Zach Wilson showed me in spring football and in the not-spring game, it's a scrimmage, that he is among the people who could actually be considered. He was the surprise uh, at quarterback for me. Zach Katoa was the surprise at running back. But I don't think things are clear. In fact, I think they are what they were almost before spring ball started. Now, in fall camp, are there going to be five guys going for the starting spot? There's going to be three realistically, according to Aaron Roderick. So what two aren't in the mix? Like, I imagine Jaron Hall, the most productive thing for him would be to redshirt. Coming off a mission in May, that would be the best thing, right? Uh, could Zach Wilson be a redshirt guy? Or would Joe Critchlow be a redshirt guy? Or Bo Hodge? I don't know. There are too many good quarterbacks. This, it's never a problem. No, it's a problem. Because if I'm a good, really good quarterback and I'm deemed like the fourth or fifth guy. I don't want to stay. I'm not staying here. Why am I going to wait, wait it out? Like, well, why don't you be patient? Wait, Because there are five, not three. Do you recall the battle post John Beck in spring ball? It was Brendan Gaskins versus Cade Cooper versus Max Hall, if I recall correctly. Max Hall won. Cade Cooper, like, the next day was like, I'm outie. That's what could happen in this situation. I don't want any of these guys to transfer, but I think there's some good quarterbacks in there. For everybody outside of the closed-door meetings where this is being discussed among BYU coaches. Put it on Facebook Live, charge 100 bucks. That would be epic. No, it's not any clearer. Maybe for the coaches, but they're not going to tip their hand if they don't have to at this juncture. It's way early. Yeah, it's really early. That said, I feel like Joe Critchlow is the guy out of spring football, Jerem. Maybe by a, by a nose. I feel like he is yeah. the guy unless Tanner Mangum can get 100% healthy and unseat him. Now, is Joe Critchlow going to lead BYU to a bowl game against that schedule? Like, I, I think it's pretty tough. And he didn't play a Power 5 team. He beat UNLV. It was impressive. 200-yard uh, rush day from Squally Canada. I think Joe's got some, got some skills to pay the bills. At AP Jofo has even more skills on Twitter. But, like, which of these quarterbacks, uh, it, it, when I say he's a starter, do you go, BYU's winning seven games? You know what I mean? Like, it's a tough schedule. It really is. Absolutely. The BYU defense hasn't received a ton of love this spring, so let's discuss that side of the football, okay? Okay. Yesterday, head coach Kalani Satake discussed his goal for defensive depth. There's a lot of guys that stepped up. I can't, I can't say. I, I know we have more than 11 that can play, but I, I don't know if we have more than 25. And so the goal in the next couple months is to get ready and make sure that we have more than 25 to play in the game. 25? What is this, Alabama? That was my reaction. Spencer, how concerned are you about the defensive depth going into next season? I'm concerned that BYU needs 25 guys to feel good about defense. Are you anticipating like having the same amount of injuries last year? In 2012, that amazing BYU defense that had seven NFL guys on the field at the same time, did that team have 25 guys? That's my initial concern. Okay? It's April 10th, however. I was concerned about depth last year in fall camp and in the middle of the season when two of the three projected best BYU defenders were out, Butch Powell and Francis Bernard. Yeah. I was concerned then. Greatest linebackers ever? It's April 10th. I am not concerned right now. 
I'll worry if and when BYU gets to that fall camp middle of the season window again where injuries are the dominating headline of the season. So no, I'm not I'm not that concerned. The twenty five number though, that was I mean that that's a little eye opening. I'm concerned by the twenty five. Sheesh. I'm interested as to why it's twenty five too. I should have followed up with Kalani. Uh twenty two would be one and two players at each position. Apparently they want three at three positions. Twenty five dudes is a lot on the BYU defense. The defense is not being discussed a lot. The defense will be a key to keeping BYU in games. Offense wins you games. Defense keeps you in games. The BYU football offense did not turn the ball over in the spring game. That's good. Very few penalties as well. Good sign. In a rainy environment, no less. That said, Jerem, will the focus on cleaning up the offense, less penalties, no turnovers, translate to more wins in 2018 because that's what everybody wants more wins we just need to block a little cleaner run our routes a little bit cleaner get the ball out to the proper read a little bit quicker and just do things a little bit better and so in terms of where we need to focus moving forward execution is going to be the um the the largest place that we can still gain ground this summer more wins in 2018 Yes, like a French guillotine. You want the execution to be clean, right? Offensively, eight fumbles lost last year. 19 picks, which, by the way, was the most interceptions BYU threw in a season since. 03. That was a bad year. 27 turnovers. Defensively, 17 takeaways. BYU was 10 under if you're Tony Finau, right? With that crazy big ankle, okay? BYU would have won a couple more games last year had they not turned the ball over so much. Utah, negative one in turnover margin, six-point loss. Utah State, negative four, 16-point loss, including two pick-sixes from Utah State. BYU did have a pick-six. 17-point loss to Boise State, negative one. East Carolina, perhaps the worst loss, UMass probably. Oh. Even, 16-point loss. Like, get into the plus one or plus two. Fresno State, negative one, seven-point loss. UMass, negative four, six-point loss. If BYU can take care of the Rock, they're getting to a bowl game. And by take care, I mean be don't be negative 10. Like, be closer to even or positive. In 2016, when BYU had this crazy run of close games, you remember like seven of the first eight weeks, side by seven or less, NCAA record. BYU had 31 takeaways that year. They created a lot. I'm not saying get that many, but you got to take care of the Rock on offense. Especially, you control that. Defense, somewhat, takeaways are somewhat accidental. But offensively, you can control if you cough it up. Jeff Grimes' emphasis, I guarantee, is to protect the ball. You just heard from him. As clean as the spring, not game, scrimmage, was. We got to protect the ball. He, can, he wants to make that number one. Protect the rock, man. Because if you don't give it away, you're going to have a better chance to win more games. So, yeah, I think that cleaning up the offense and the whole ideology behind what Jeff Grimes is trying to do will translate into more wins. How can it not? Don't give it away. Give it away. Give it away now, oh, I like says Jeff Grimes. Then. Yeah. Tonight's the debut of Andre the Giant documentary on HBO. Andre is popular among this particular audience for his role in Princess Bride as Fezzik. No more rhymes. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? Yes. What BYU player or story is larger than life and deserves his or her own documentary? For me, the first person that came to my mind was Taysom Hill. 
what other BYU player has gone through four season-ending injuries and come back to play in the NFL after all of that? Also, he was the reason that I experienced the weirdest, most deflating sporting event I've ever been to. The game against Utah State in 2014. Jim McMahon agrees at halftime. He's also produced some of the highest highs. Ask Texas about that. Or lowest of lows if you root for the Longhorns. The hurdler was low. Too low. In 2014, the validation for BYU football going independent was going to happen. BYU was ranked 18th. They were 4-0. They had a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback in Taysom Hill. Independence was working! And then it was all taken away by Utah State. Then Ryan Sweet! He comes back for his senior season at Nebraska. Steve Young tells us, I watched him play the first half and I thought, he's going to win the Heisman. That's one of the most blue-goggled overreactions of all time. He's going to win the Heisman. (laughs) The whole Nebraska situation with him him being told, your season's over. I don't care. I'm going to play on my foot as long as I can. Thor moment. Comes out. Plays as long as he can, then gives away to Tanner Mangum for one of the most memorable finishes in BYU football history. I feel like we need some music here, like, <laughs> like while you did that. I wish I would have done What that. happened in spite of his injuries is incredible. Taysom Hill, to me, deserves his own documentary. I'm going to take the larger-than-life angle, literally. Sean Bradley, 7'6", oh, yeah. born in Germany, recruited by Duke, North Carolina, Syracuse, UCLA, everybody. Small... Town in Utah is where he's from. Emory, Utah. Freshman Jackson Emory, Utah. Freshman season in 1991, 15-8, 5.2 blocks per game. Goes on his mission to Australia, opts to go to the NBA. Second pick, 93. Had he come back, BYU felt like it had a chance to do something really special. In fact, I think this was the second of four waves of BYU thinking, maybe we have a team that could make a run in the tourney, maybe even as deep as the Final Four. The 93-94 team. Russell Larson, Ken Roberts, Randy and Robbie Reed, before Robbie transferred to Michigan, Shane Knight, Mark Durant, Craig Wilcox. Ooh. That team was 22-10. and 10. That team had a shot to do something special if they had perhaps the greatest center in the game at the time in college, Sean Bradley, if he comes back. I don't blame him for going pro at all. It's one thing for Eric Mika to leave and not go to the NBA, and you're like, wait, what? It's another thing for the dude to be top five and play in the league for like 14 years. Sean Bradley was a larger-than-life character in BYU sports history. I remember a one conversation and done, the only with, one. I remember a conversation with Billy Packer and Greg Gumbel about BYU being a legitimate Final Four contender when Sean Bradley comes back. Briefly, the four Final Four would-be runs for BYU in their minds, right? in our minds. By the way. The 87-88 team, that 93-94 would-be team with Bradley. Uh, if Brandon Davies isn't out, the Jimmer Fredette senior at 2010-11, and then the rhetoric around the Lone Peak 3. By the way, our question of the day is which BYU player or story deserves its own documentary and why we want to hear what you think. Hashtag BYUSN. Jerem, the Cougarettes could position for a documentary. They dominate year in and year out. National championship contender on the regular. They released their hip-hop routine on social media. Woo! It was amazing. But they took second in hip-hop and jazz at Nationals. Second? Big deal, little deal, or no deal? Big deal. They always win. But they've entered new competitions because they've been winning so much. 
I, they entered into a, a competition for stunt. I don't even know what that is. Is it Nitro Circus? I have no clue. They took fifth in their first one. This video is awesome. They are legit. In fact, they're the most legit team on campus. They always are winning or right there. Uh, they went viral with the Cosmo dance with Ao and Teo, and now this. Congrats, they're legit, man. They got their karate kid outfits on or whatever they are <laughs> doing that hip-hop routine. We need, a, we need some of those. I we need some matching that, outfits. And my, the, whole, the whole time I'm thinking, they took second with this? Who won? Who won? I need to see the winning routine now. Like, who, who, who won? Who beat BYU there? That, to me, is the big deal. It's like, somebody was better than that? Hmm. Show me. That's why it's a big deal. I want to know who won. Our question of the day, which BYU player or story, maybe you think it's the Cougarettes, deserves its own documentary and why? We'll have more of your responses. Hashtag BYUSN at Elijah underscore Bryant 3 tweets in. Hey, Eli. What's up? Larger than life goes to at Peyton Dastrup. At P. Dastrup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A documentary on Peyton Dastrup. I, could, I, I would watch that. Hey, coming up, can you do the splits? I can't, but I know a couple who sort of can. That's in between the lines. Okay, now I'm intrigued. And did Gonzaga get everything they wanted from the West Coast Conference? We'll ask the voice of the Bulldogs, play-by-play man Tom Hudson. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. After busting out the brooms against Santa Clara last week in a, quote, must-sweep series, the Bad Cats are on the road at Portland this weekend. Three-game series starting Thursday at 9 Eastern on BYU Radio in the City of Roses. Welcome back, BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation always rolling on social media. Follow at BYU Sports Nation on Twitter and Instagram. Use the hashtag BYUSN when you would like to converse with us. Juicy conversation Surrounding which BYU player or story deserves its own documentary. Jerem Jordan said Sean Bradley. I say Taysom Hill. What do you think? Tell us why at J Gibbs 19. Jimmer for debt. It will be called Teach Me How to Jimmer. That'd be a good doc. There needs to be a comprehensive doc on Jimmer. And that's still going. Like, he's in China. He's playing. He just finished the second year. The question with Jimmer is, is he going to still play in China? Will he kind of be a legend there? Kind of like Stefan Marbury has become there. Got his own shoe deal in China. He's raking in the dough. Yeah. I hope it converts to American dollars well, but yeah, he's raking it in. How do Gonzaga fans feel about Jimmer Fredette? Well, Jimmer ruined things for BYU when they entered the league because BYU thought it'd be one way, and then Gonzaga said, well, it's going to be a different way. It's still Gonzaga's way. You got us in the tourney (laughs) that one time. Good job. Still Gonzaga's way. In fact, the play-by-play voice of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, Tom Hudson, joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Tom, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, gentlemen, wonderful to be with you, and it's, uh, it's exciting to still be talking about some of this stuff. We've actually got some uh, baseball going on that, uh, that I've kind of moved into, but, uh, man, every time that basketball season ends, it takes a few weeks to kind of uh, get back on your feet a little bit and you know, uh, kind of uh, understand that uh, uh, life has changed a little bit. You go from running around the country and doing all this, uh, uh, you know, calling all these games and seeing all these great places to, to going back to, you know, being a full-time dad and taking care of all those responsibilities. Uh, my boss always laughs at me. <laughs> he says, you, you have this life that's the strangest thing that, that I don't know we can explain to people. 
You know, it's like one day you're calling a game in the Sweet 16, and then two days later you're making breakfast for your kids and walking them <laughs> to school. So it's uh, it, it changes. Both are, are so wonderful. But, uh, yeah, it's great to be back with you guys. Tom Hudson <laughs> with us on BYU Sports Nation. Follow him on Twitter at Voice of Gonzaga. The West Coast Conference just laid out all their cards. They wanted Gonzaga to stay. Did the Zags feel like they got everything they wanted from the WCC? You know, I, I really think that they did. And the one thing that I hope that comes out of this is that, and I know a lot of the perception is going to be uh, some of these changes were made for Gonzaga, which obviously uh, they were uh, with the conversations that were going on. But I think in the big picture, and Mike Roth, our athletic director, talked about it, is that the rules are fair, and they're, they're really for everyone. You know, I think some of the frustration from a Gonzaga perspective uh, is you look at, you know, since 2008, Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's are the only three teams in the West Coast Conference who have been to the NCAA tournament who have earned shares for the conference. You know, but everybody else in the conference is sharing in, you know, in the pot. And, and so I think that a little bit of the concern was, okay, we need to get better. The league needs to get better. We need to feel like everyone is contributing to this. Uh, the new rules, the way they're set up, if you make it to the tournament, you get more of a share than a team that didn't get to the tournament, which to me just seems like you know, it's kind of common sense, basic, you know, and you work harder than me and, and you do a better job than me, you should be rewarded more than I, I should be. Uh, you know, I think some of the, the things, you know, with having to play in a preseason tournament, okay, well, how about a, the, is that a wonderful recruiting tool? Uh, that when a kid comes on campus, like, hey, guess what? You're going to play. It may be in the Wooden. It may be in the Diamond Head. I saw Santa Clara just uh, signed on to play. There's going to be a new event up in Vancouver. I know Washington and a couple other uh, good programs are going to be up there. Uh, so I, I think some of it from a Gonzaga perspective, obviously, is wanting to, to get some, some things because they've carried the torch for so long. Uh, but I also think for fans of all the programs, if they, if they step back and really look at it, uh, there are opportunities here to get better. And I think what Gonzaga wants to do, guys, is, is be in a, a situation. When I look back last year, uh, we're playing in Stockton against Pacific. We're down by nine in the second half. If we lose that game, there's no way in the world we're a number one seat. It, it just doesn't happen. It, you know, the, the, Because of the RPI situation and because of the perception of the WCC, I think, nationally, uh, and I think what Gonzaga would like to see is for the league to bump up, the RPI to bump up, the respect of the league to bump up, so that, hey, you know, if you do slip and you lose one, it doesn't become the end of the world. You know, in the ACC, Duke can lose to Boston College or Wake Forest, you know, when they're having off years. I think North Carolina lost to Wofford this year. Um, and, and those losses just get completely overlooked. But I think for Gonzaga, you lose one game, and all of a sudden it's, and those guys think they should be an 11 seed. And I think that's part of the, this process is hopefully to get the league to, to jump up with Gonzaga and BYU, who plays a good schedule and does a lot of nice things. You know, I know St. Mary's has won a lot of games. I know people have, have complained about their scheduling a little bit. But it would be nice to have a, a few more teams really jump up and take that next step and, and jump into the top 100 in the RPI so that the league gets more respect nationally. Tom, how close was Gonzaga actually to going to the Mountain West, or was it a well-done power play for leverage in negotiations? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Uh, you know, in my initial thought of it, it was kind of, okay, this is going to be uh, a situation where they're, they're trying to use some leverage. Uh, as the conversation went on, uh, you know, I, I was thinking more and more that, that there was a possibility that it was going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I do think for Gonzaga at this point in time, uh, a competitive WCC is where the Zags belong. Uh, but, the, but the key word there is competitive. 
and, and so I think that they understood that. I, I think Mike Roth understands that. I, I think our, our school president, Dane McCullough, uh, understands that as well. But it, I think it was getting to a point uh, where, you know, this isn't new stuff. This isn't stuff that came up over the last six or eight months. You know, this is stuff that has, has gone on for, you know, for several years. And I know, uh, you know, Coach Few has pushed for some changes. And a lot of the schools haven't necessarily been willing to do that. And so I think that there has been some growing frustration. You know, it got to a point of, okay, listen, you know, we've been asking for some of these concessions. You know, we've been carrying the, the flag for the league. And if you're not going to give us, you know, any kind of concession, you know, even though we've really been, you know, pulling the freight, uh, then maybe we do have to go and look elsewhere. And I think that the conversation got pretty serious. Uh, you know, I also think that, you know, Mike Roth, and he said this many times, you know, Gonzaga has to look at what's best for, for Gonzaga right now. And, and I think they're always concerned about the landscape. Uh, in, in how college sports could potentially change. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Power Fives and then, you know, four or five other leagues decide they're going to break off and go and do their own thing. Well, if you're in a league that isn't going to be invited to that, what does that mean for your program? What does that mean for your institution? And so I think they're always kind of looking around. But I do think that the conversation's got, got pretty serious this time because, you know, I, I think they have asked for things in the past that, uh, you know, have been overlooked. And then it was, okay, well, we, we really needed to, to consider this, you know, this possibility. What role did making the Final Four in the National Championship have in all of this? Because I feel like the dynamic of Gonzaga was really good. But once you go to that Final Four, now it's a new level. Did that play a role in all of this? Hey, you know what's interesting is I think in some regards, guys, the interesting part of it was you could look at it and say, you know what, we made it to the Final Four. We played in the championship game as a member of the WCC. And, you know, we have made it, you know, to the second weekend, you know, four consecutive years as a member of the WCC. And so I think that there is the model there that shows that it can be done. And like I said, it is, you know, it can be difficult, obviously, because the margin for error has been so small. Now, Gonzaga, uh, you know, and I think it's one of the most remarkable things about this entire run for GU is the consistency uh, in being able to, to continue to win basketball games, uh, you know, regardless uh, of the opposition. Uh, I think they've done a, a great job at that. But, uh, again, I think there have been years and there have been times, even a couple of years ago, uh, when uh, Shemek Karnowski got hurt. You know, we went to the West Coast Conference Tournament. There was a lot of thought that, you know, hey, this team has to win the WCC tournament to even have a chance of making it in. That then at large wasn't a possibility. And I think uh, what they're hoping again is that the league gets good enough that you can have a slip or two uh, and still be okay as a potential at large. So I, I mean, I do think making the Final Four and obviously getting to, to, to a championship game, uh, you know, maybe gave the Zags a little more. Uh, you know, uh, of a, a chip in, in the bargaining room uh, with the WCC. Uh, and I think, you know, if you're the Mountain West, and it's my understanding the Mountain West was the one that called Gonzaga, it wasn't the other way around. The Mountain West has been looking for, for other schools. And, of course, you would call Gonzaga if you're on the West Coast and you're looking to expand, I would think. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, that was a thing. So now all of a sudden Gonzaga has been a hot commodity, but you played in the Final Four. Now you're a really hot commodity. Uh, so they're going to get some attention. They're going to get looked at. But I, I do think at the end of the day, if you look at how the Zags have done it over these last five or six years in the seats they've gotten playing out of the WCC, they've shown that it is possible to do. And so, again, if they can just get the league to, to bump up and to, to get better, uh, I think it, it, it's a great long-term solution for Junior. 
I know there are a lot of BYU fans that feel like this was a play by the Mountain West Conference, not just to get Gonzaga, but to get BYU back in it. That's a discussion for another day. I do want to ask this, Tom, with increased relevance and with the national notoriety that Gonzaga has, do they want a separate television deal at some point? You know, I don't know. I think it's really interesting with with our you know our deal now. I, every game is on. You know, if it's on local TV or the national TV deal, I, I will say this: I I have kind of felt like in having discussions with people at GU, and and I notice it too, and I know you guys notice it. One of the things that you would want to have is a package again, and if it's if it's with the entire league, great. But where league games mean something. You know, where on a Saturday afternoon it's the WCC game of the week, and you flip the TV on, and you know the stands are full. You, you know, and there are people at the game, and there's there's some excitement, and there's some energy, and people are saying, "Hey, the West Coast Conference is a good basketball conference." And I think that is, is a little bit more uh, of the focus, which is let's make sure that the games. You know, it's, it's great we're getting games on ESPN. We've got that package, and it's a great deal. But if the only games that are going to have great crowds are going to be Gonzaga games, BYU games, uh, and St. Mary games. And, and then, you know, we have to play the, you know, two of the lesser teams because it's part of the deal, and we put them on ESPNU, and there's nobody in the building. That doesn't show well for the league. And, and so I think, again, it goes back to that part of it is, you know, let's get some of these programs going again and get people excited about it again uh, so that uh, when you turn the TV on, you see, hey, this, you know what, this league matters a little bit. These guys have some good teams, and it's competitive. And I think that that's kind of the big part of it is making sure that there's relevance because, you know, we don't worry about, I mean, obviously our home games sell out. We don't worry when we go to Pro Bowl because, you know, it's going to be an incredible atmosphere with 19,000 fans. Uh, you know, when we go to, to St. Mary's, you know, we, we have a full house. Uh, you know, I think in some of the other gyms is where you get concerned uh, and, and you would like to see uh, those programs become competitive enough and their fans get involved enough. Uh, that, uh, you know, it feels like when you turn on a WCC game on TV uh, that there's some meaning to it. Tom, it's always good to talk to you. We appreciate the insight into uh, the current status of Gonzaga basketball. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, hey guys, great talking to you and uh, anytime. I love doing it. and uh, You guys have a great day. All right, sounds Thanks, good. Tom. Tom Hudson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Can you figure out how to get BYU to four straight Sweet 16s, please? I would like one every 30 years. <laughs> Current pace. <laughs> How about one every 15? Cut it in half? <laughs> then cut that in half every seven and a half? Then cut that in half, one every three and a half? Can okay. All right. All right. Four in a row is incredible. Listen, I'll take an NCAA tournament loss at this point. Coming up, the first BYU gymnast to qualify individually in 14 years for Nationals will join us, Jerem. That's exciting. Plus... Speaking of gymnasts, Jill Van Mierlo and Rory Linkletter are the number one power couple on campus. We're going to go between the lines to discuss that with Lauren McLean. Yeah, I was waiting for that, Lauren. You dance, because heaven knows Jeremy and I can't. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation friends, welcome back. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio. Simulcast on BYU TV. We are on demand anytime, anywhere. Our question of the day, homies, which BYU player or story deserves its own documentary? Why? At CL underscore living. Out of the Cressmere, Danny, Jim, Ziggy, Jamal, Taysom, etc. I'd choose Cressmere. If I had to pick just one. Why? 
Because it was so long ago that people don't remember what he meant for the mission of BYU in international sports. Billy Packer called Chris Mirchosich the first great international player in college basketball. And it's largely unknown for a lot of the current BYU fans. So maybe that does get the nod because it's just one of those stories that not a lot of people really understand the impact. There was a documentary made about Chris Mirchosich, and it's aired on BYU TV. I don't know if it's still on the app, but it was a really good documentary. 30 for 30? Are you out there? (laughs) What are you asking? (laughs) It wasn't a 30 for 30. I know. It was done by a uh, broadcast student with us. He did it for a project. Crash, man. He he was the dude. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Did you know BYU has two people in the Basketball Hall of Fame? Chris Michosich and then longtime coach Stan Watts. Those two. There is a power couple positioning to be in their own respective Hall of Fame, Jerem. And it's the a, Power Couple Hall of Fame? It's a long road Thing to now? the top, okay? When you want to rock and roll. Just ask Rory Linkletter, track and field and cross-country superstar, and Jill Van Mirlo, who he's engaged to, who was a star for the BYU Gymnastics Squad. They finally got their number one Power Couple status at the Y Awards, but it's time to put that number one ranking to the test with Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. Four years of dating and one engagement later, this power couple wants to prove they know more about each other than all the other couples on campus as they compete in I Got Game. Let's see what they got. Time for another riveting episode of I Got Game. But this time we are with Rory Linkletter and his fiance, Jill Van Mierlo. What's up, guys? Hey. You like that dramatic pause? Yeah, I love it. You guys have known each other for a while, right? How'd you guys meet? It was our first class here at BYU, like the first day of college. I just walked into the room and was scouting out the talent, and I decided to sit next to Jill, and obviously it was the right choice. I did tell him my last name, though, so this so, is where he had to do some research. I had to go so. on the roster, find her full name, then look on the in- Instagram. on Instagram, look for her, found her, followed her, followed me back, then I stood in the DMs. So you've been dating longer than any of the other couples that we've done this with. So you got you guys, the expectations are up here. Okay? So these first five questions are going to be for Rory about Jill. Both of Jill's parents were gymnasts in college. Which college did they attend? University of Michigan? <laughs> Go blue. What is Jill's favorite event to compete in? I think I got it. Okay, ready? Reveal. Oh! I didn't want to go beam because she fell off the beam last time, and she's very moody with her favorite events. So, Next one. You both have to treat your bodies well, but what is Jill's favorite cheat day treat? Don't make, don't overthink it. You're Real. ridiculous. <laughs> That's Power not a fairies. cheat day. And you, Kazuki with ice cream. Yes. Well, guys, unfortunately, you are one for three right now. What celebrity does Jill most admire? Celebrity just means famous person, right? Yeah. Not necessarily actor. Don't do or, someone... From like Instagram. <laughs> That's what I was gonna do. <laughs> Alright, reveal. Hey, you got it! Wait, that's a really good job. It's your favorite gymnast. Yeah, it is. Rory's from Canada. If you had to choose one of these three things, what would it be? Hockey, maple syrup, or Justin Bieber? And reveal. Nice. Rory, why hockey? I grew up on hockey. Like, every one of my family just is huge hockey fans. But no baby beeps, huh? No Justin Bieber? No beeps. Not a fan? Some would argue he's the greatest thing to come out of Canada. All right. No, Rory is. You got it right. 
Would you rather be at the beach or shopping? Easy. Don't, don't. Too easy. Don't overthink this. Mark, set, reveal. Yay! Did you grow up near a beach? I'm oh assuming? yeah, the beach was like five minutes away. What is Rory's biggest track accomplishment so far in his college career, and what was his time? And reveal. Second at nationals. Wait, I thought it all was... the time. I'm gonna give you a half point okay. though for that. Okay. What are your nicknames for each other? Don't overthink it. <laughs> what do I call you the most? All right, and reveal. Okay, that's half. So we get the other I half. Call her. Yeah. Okay, you get another half point. Okay, good. What was your first impression of Rory? Stud or dud? <laughs> and reveal. <laughs> I knew he wrote stud because he was putting I mean, lines I underneath. I didn't want to like admit it, but yeah, I thought he was a stud. If Rory was a gymnast, what event would he compete in? Rory, don't overthink. <laughs> reveal the Yay, ball. Because you, so you have really to run fast. at it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's add up the total. One, two, three, seven. Out of ten, you are officially the top of the leaderboard of I Got Game. How do you guys feel about how you did today? Let's start with Jill. I feel great, and I feel better about like knowing him more. I don't know. I was actually really worried that if we got like zero out of ten, people would be like, "Why you don't even know each other? Like, why are you getting married?" I think we're capable of ten out of ten on the right day. Do you guys want to keep this and frame it? Sure. We'll, we'll put it in the wedding. Be like, look what we did. They know each other better than all the other married couples that have played this game before them. But four years of dating, you don't really see at BYU, so that helps. So next week on Between the Lines, we're going to do Undercover Athlete with Cyrus Fa'alogo from the men's volleyball team. Oh, boy. Yes. And he's a very entertaining chap. You'll know him from the uh, dancing video that they posted on in, uh, not Instagram, on Twitter. On the internet. On the internet. Yeah. If you haven't seen that, go see that on Men's Volleyball's Twitter page. Follow us on Twitter at BYU underscore BTL and use the hashtag BYUBTL. I want to know what I would score with yeah. my I don't want to know. significant other. <laughs> Jared was saying not, that I do not want to during know. it that he does not want to know. It's hard. It's really <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. Though. And then, yeah, you don't want to be like, wait, what? We didn't even know. <laughs> Like, you don't want that. Like, I've been married for like six years. I'm like, no, everything's fine. You score a two out of ten. Uh, We're doomed. And it would give you anxiety. What's hard? What's we don't communicate. <laughs> we don't even know each other. What's hard about this game is sometimes you have more than one answer. Like, sometimes I'm like, well, I like ice cream, but I also like brownies. It has to be you one. Know? Right. And you can only pick one. The one answer. Yeah. And it depends on the question, too, right? You can know a million things about each other, but if you ask the wrong question, you're doomed. I, I challenge you guys to go do this with your wives. Go give it I'm a shot. not going to take that. Google down. newlywed game questions. <laughs> yeah, newlywed game questions. I will, I will do this privately. <laughs> and then I'll tell you if I want to well, pursue publicly. Yeah, exactly. Lauren, thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Always a good time. Cyrus Fata logo next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't play on the football team, I think is what he's going to be saying a lot. Coming up, volleyball clinches the conference tournament top seed but falls in the coach's poll? What? How does that work? Shannon Hortman-Evans is rising in the poll. She's the first BYU Cougar to qualify for an individual event at Nationals in Gymnastics in 14 years. She'll join us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Between the Lines is brought to you by Tim Daly Nissan. Think Nissan. Think Tim Daly Southtown. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
I don't like sweeping my floor at home, but I love when BYU baseball sweeps somebody, and they did that against Santa Clara over the weekend. They're looking for another one, mm-hmm. although Mike Littlewood has not said this is a must-sweep series. BYU plays Portland. They're going to get some voodoo donuts, bring back some roses. It all starts Thursday, 9 Eastern. Listen to the whole series on BYU Radio. How about just win the series, because then you stay over 500 in conference play. It well, took a sweep to get back to 500. I think I think uh, if you're going to say you want to sweep Santa Clara at home, you might as well say you want to sweep Portland on the road, right? That that, a, that's a series that BYU should win, I think, right? Mike Little would put the pressure on, and they did it in dramatic fashion, no they less. They won by one, two, and one. Walk-offs, man. Beautiful. Live from Studio B, this is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our daily BYUS and rebroadcast you probably know this, but I'm going to tell you again anyway. Airs weeknights on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Someone right now is watching the broadcast. They're like, I didn't know, but now I'm here. But, now you but know. But I am here, so I don't need to know. Now you know. It's confusing. Joining us now is a young lady that has qualified for nationals in an individual event. In fact, yeah. that hasn't happened in 14 years at BYU. Her name is Shannon Hortman Evans. Shannon, welcome What's back up, to Shannon? Studio B. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What's it like? Because you want your team to qualify, but you're like, well, at least I qualified. Yeah, it's hard. I'm like, eh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> two different feelings. Yeah. Your team scored a 196.3 uh, in regionals, which is a, a BYU record. So while you didn't qualify as a team for nationals, you're still on the up and up. So how'd you kind of assess that whole team performance? I think we were proud of how we went out. Of course, you want to make it to nationals and uh, keep moving forward, but I believe that there are like little stepping stones that you need to hit. So we're just like making our rise on those little stepping stones before you know this next year or even the next that we get to go to the big, the big games. I heard all about it. So fun fact: Wayne Young, Guard Young's dad, who was an All-American gymnast at BYU doctor at the hospital where my baby was just born and came in the day that we he he was the he's the man that told us we could go home okay so you love him you're like yeah let's get out of here don't don't take our money anymore but no i heard i heard all about it really uh, from uh from wayne and it's kind of a doctor wayne it's a it's a frustrating situation because you're like man a step here or maybe we don't go out of bounds on a floor routine how do you handle all of that knowing that you were so close I I just think about it as like I really do think that there's enough success for everyone whether you know there's those little mishaps or not like it's going to work out somehow the scores are going to come together somehow some way 9 9 on the bars and and you go to nationals when did, when did you know during your bar routine, like, oh, I nailed it. This was good. <laughs> when I stuck my dismount. <laughs> That's the moment. Yeah, you got to stick the like? dismount. Yeah. Uh, I stuck sticks, it and right? I was like, oh. Yeah, it was like really good. Hits and sticks, right? Yeah, hits well, we're and looking sticks, at it right now, And it was, it was a stick. Did you think in your mind at that point, I'm going to nationals? No, not at all. I was like, nine, nine. That'll place, like I'll place, which is awesome at regionals, but that's not taking me to nationals. 9925s, 995s, or 10Os takes you to nationals. And I found out at the very, very last second of the meet. So I didn't know. I did not think that that 99 was taking me. Correct me if I'm wrong. You got a 995 on the floor against in the tri meet with Denver and whatnot. The one. Okay, that's the one, one that I got like a 10. Yes, you yeah. got a 10 from one judge. I'm like, oh, 10 <laughs> on the broadcast. And then the one judge gave you a 99. Is it hard not to be mad at that judge in that moment? Yeah. Uh, well, the, it's like a whole tenth away, too. She didn't even like give me like a 995. It was a 10 and a 99. And I was just like, man, 
where do you find a whole tent that this other judge isn't even finding, you know? Yeah, you know, I, there's always going to be something to nitpick, right? I just saw a 10, and I was like, there's a 10? This is awesome. <laughs> this yeah. is awesome. Can you change your routine at all going to nationals, or does it have to be entered as the same one you competed at in regionals? You can change it. You don't really want to change it, though, just because that's what you've been doing all season, and to change it, you would kind of go in a little less confident with something new. So usually change things over the summer, work new things over the summer, and then compete the same thing. What can you do? What can you do to raise the score at nationals? I need to hit my handstands. So along with hits and sticks, there should be like a little handstand in there because handstands are killer. Hits and stands and sticks. Yeah, there you go. T-shirt. Let's get a T-shirt. Okay, so who goes with you to nationals? Guard is coming because he's the bar coach. And then our volunteer coach, Mary, who has been helping out with bars, I believe, is coming. And then our trainer, Philip. It's kind of sad because, like, I'm so used to my teammates being there cheering me on. And it's just going to be like, Shannon. (laughs) You'll be the lone wolf. I know. It's kind of odd that way. Uh, St. Louis, Missouri, Mm -hmm. next week. What What are you hoping to do there? I'm hoping to be BYU's next All-American. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and remind people how that happens. You have to place in the top six or seven. I can't remember what it is. I don't want to, like, it's six or seven because I don't remember which one it is. But that seems kind of simple, like six or seven. That's easy. But when people tie, there goes, like, four places. If four people get, like, a 995, you're, like, 99 couldn't, like, might not even be able to place, you know, because somebody – Three more could get nine nine two fives, and there goes the seven places right there. Is a nine nine going to get you in those six seven? You think, or do you need to take it up a notch? I don't know. You never know because there's it's the best of the best there. So it depends on what the judges if they're keeping the scores low that day. I don't think that a nine nine is going to get me there, but it could. It could get me there. You never know. Shannon Hortman Evans of BYU Gymnastics with us on BYU Sports Nation. In your mind. How does this whole thing play out? What kind of atmosphere and feeling are you expecting when you get to nationals? So I'm actually expecting to feel a little bit at home, surprisingly, because I am rotating with Utah. And I actually have two former teammates on that team, McKenna Merrill and Kim Tesson. And I am so excited to be back in their like corner cheering them on. They were my club teammates, and they'll be there cheering me on as well. So that's going to feel a little bit at home. But other than that, it's going to be new. Everything, I don't, I've, we've not been to nationals, so I don't know how it works and how it is. And I'm really excited to go and bring that experience back. Well, congratulations on qualifying. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. Yes. Some good luck. <laughs> Thank you. So you can get to like a 9925 or 995 like or something. <laughs> and, uh, You've been a benefactor a few times, Shannon, from the BYU Sports Nation karma. So yeah. why not add on to it? Let's do it. Yeah, good luck, and we'll be watching next week. Thank you. Okay. Just don't forget your uniform, okay? <laughs> that just, yeah, that would be bad. <laughs> that happened or something? That happened. <laughs> oh, that happened. Wow. Okay, yeah. Hey, coming up, softball sweeps the conference awards, and it's a game day. Plus, which BYU player or story deserves the documentary treatment? Your responses to our question of the day coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Shout out to today's guests, Tom Hudson and Shannon Evans. If you missed any part of this show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up this week, linebacker Butch Poe. 
First baseman Brian Sue and men's basketball coach Dave Rose. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Volleyball. Cougars dropped from 2 to 4 in the latest ABCA poll, which makes total sense because BYU just earned the top seed in the MPSF tournament. So enjoy playing a quarterfinal this week, second ranked UCLA. Softball. 21 18 BYU plays at Utah Valley tonight at 5 Eastern on the WAC Digital Network. Hey, just get it, just, just get it done. At least it's not on the mountain. And catcher Libby Sugg and freshman pitcher Autumn Moffitt are the West Coast Conference player and pitcher of the week. For the first time this season, BYU swept the weekly honors. Golf. The men currently in fourth place at one under par at the Guyberger Invitational at PGA West. You've played there. Several times in La Quinta, California. Sports. Sports indeed. The Cougarettes <laughs> took second in the hip-hop and jazz categories at the NCANDA Collegiate Cheer and Dance Championship. Cougars in the minors. Oh, sports. Is when we don't know how to category, we go, uh, sports. Michael Rucker earns his first win of the year for AA Tennessee. The Smokies allowing three hits and one run over five innings, striking out six against the Mississippi Braves. Brendan Lawn, one for two with the walk, hit by pitch, stolen base, and a 5-4 loss to the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Maverick Buffo earns a no decision after allowing one run and five hits over four innings. He struck out six. It's good to see those guys doing well in the minors. Buff still uh, stacking the hats. Yeah, well, BYU needs one of those guys again. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Health. When you need the most, DexterLaw.com. Shannon Hortman-Evans, the lone cougar to get into Nationals. Good luck to her next week in St. Louis. Which She was great. And when did you know you nailed it? When I I, uh, stuck the landing, I went, ah! It's a great answer. It's a great answer. <laughs> Which BYU player story deserves its own documentary and why? At yfangirl underscore JB. Said it before, I'll say it again. Ziggy Ansah is the Amen. biggest and most incredible story to come out of BYU and deserves a movie. Yeah, I took the larger than life thing literally, but Ziggy Ansah is the most incredible story in the history of BYU sports for an individual. The fact that BYU football won a national championship is the best team story ever. Our elite tweet of the day from at TM Sherble. <laughs> I'd probably watch any and all BYU star documentary, but I'd vote for a Roland Minson, oh, yeah. Mel Hutchins documentary. Hashtag 1951 NIT That's champs. Roland Minson basketball, says Bill Wall. And the conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter and Instagram. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Show's on demand on BYUSN.com. Yeah, every time I hear Roland Minson, I think that Bill Walton <laughs> needs to read it. Incredible basketball player, Roland Minson. Find our audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app for Jerem. I am Spencer. Shout out to Wayne Young. BYU Sports Nation back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern. Dr. Wayne Dr. Young. Dr. Wayne Doctor. Young.